Anyway, I wanted to talk about um, the goodness of God tonight and how God is good, okay? But the, the struggle that we have when we say God is good is that we live in a world where we overuse the term. I pick up the kids from school. How was your day? Good. How did the exam go? Good. How are you feeling? Good. How's your mum? Oh, she's all right. Good. <laughs> you know, we have this, this term good and we, we overuse it and, and we're missing the, the I guess I, what I want to do is try and um, talk about how God is good. Because when we, when we say God is good, our subconscious or part of us wants to say he's just average. He's above average because that's what good means. You know, well, how was your day? Good. Well, that means, you know, I didn't die. Everything went fairly well and it was a um, pretty non-eventful day that was usual. I was expecting it to happen. You know, so that's what good is. But when we say God is good, what do we mean? Do we mean that he's just, you know, doing what he should be doing and nothing out of the ordinary and he's not that special? He's just a bit above average maybe. Gave me everything I wanted. There's a man that came up to Jesus one time, and it's in Luke 18, 18. I didn't stutter. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. How are you feeling, everyone? <laughs> Fine, thanks. Excellent. <laughs> it's getting warm in here. Yeah. But um, goodness, the goodness of God. Now, in Psalm 100, I'm going to ruin it for you because, well, actually, we've, we've had the reading already, but the last verse of Psalm 100, in verse 5, it says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. For the Lord is good. Now that word for means because. Because the Lord is good. Okay. Now sometimes it's hard to come. See, this is a song, this is a song about worship. Psalm 100. It's a song about worship. And sometimes it's actually hard to come into a church setting or a place of worship or singing and sing songs of joy when the wheels are coming off of your life, when it actually, like, yeah, we know the fact that God is good, but the reality around us is that everything else isn't good. Stuff just is just not good. I'd love to be able to use words tonight, but I'm recording the message to put on the internet, and I think we should give credit to, uh, to the Lord and honor to him. But there's some Australian words we use which can really describe some of the stuff that people go through, can't we? Okay, just leave them there. Don't call them out. But it's difficult. It's difficult to worship God and to have the joy of the Lord and to um, joyful, joyful Lord, we adore thee, God of glory, God of love. You know, when it's our hearts are saying, it's not fair, it hurts. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to my family? Why is it happening to me? Why is this happening? How can, that, how, can I, you know, how can I sing praises and be joyful? The answer is, verse 5, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Those two things are never changing. He is good 
and his love endures forever. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. I just love that because it doesn't say his faithfulness continues forever. It says through all generations. It's very interesting. And I want to just point out that, just something tonight for you, is that his love endures forever, right? So that means forever, like an ever and ever and ever, eternity. His love endures, why? Because God is love, right? But his faithfulness continues through all generations. In other words, when there's an end of generations, there's no longer any need for him to be faithful anymore. And there's no longer, actually, after all the generations have passed and the end has come, Jesus returns and takes people to be with him forever in heaven, we no longer need faith in his faithfulness to keep his promises because we're already there experiencing the result of that faith in his faithfulness to keep his promise. So throughout all generations, all these generations that we see again and again on earth, God remains faithful. But his love lasts forever. Never ends. Endures, the word is. Endures forever. It pushes on. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going. It endures. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That's why we should praise him. Okay, But sometimes it's hard. Let's have a look at, the, let's just go through the praising bit of Psalm 100 again, I guess, because what it tells us is it tells us how to praise him and why we should praise him. And I've already given you the why. Why should we praise him? Because he's good and his love endures forever. This I actually, before we go into the how, I want to talk to you about the word good. It means it's actually pleasurable to your senses. Pleasurable to your senses. God is good. He is actually pleasurable to your senses. In other words, every part of you physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually is designed to enjoy being with God. And when you're with God and 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 enjoying his presence in, with every part of yourself, you're experiencing his goodness and it's pleasurable. This is why Jesus, when he, when he, was, he was talked to by another fella who came up to him and said, what's the best commandment? And Jesus said, this is it. Love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength. Like it's this whole in, like intrinsic, is that the right word? Your whole person. It's not just a song, you know, it's more than that. It's not just a, a prayer, it's more than that. It's a life, it's, it's your feelings, your touch, your emotions, your senses, everything. And God is good. In other words, the Lord is good. He is good to all of those parts of you. He's pleasurable to all those parts of you. It says in Psalm 34 verse 8, taste, Psalm 34 verse 8, taste and see. The Lord is good. You've got to taste before you can see. I have something here. Has anyone ever, just raise your hand, if you've eaten, a, well, actually, I'll show you what it is first. All right. It's not, 
No, it's not haggis. <laughs> that's a great idea. I should have bought haggis. No, does anyone know what that is? Oh, look at you. It is a fajoa. It's a bit wrinkly. It's been in the car for a bit. But that's a fajoa. Hands up if you've eaten a fajoa. All right. Hands up if you've never eaten fajoa. Okay. All right. I want a volunteer over here to describe for us what does it taste like? What's it like to eat a fajoa? It's a little bit small, but what does it taste like? What's it taste like? Bitter. Bitter. Ooh. Is it? It is. I had. I liked it, but the people who gave it to me don't like it. Didn't like it. Wow. Well, I think when it's right, when it's right at the right time, the little the texture of the flesh is a little bit kind of creamy, sandpaper. Who who hasn't who hasn't hand up tasted a fajoa? Who wants to have a go? Yeah, but it tastes really nice. <laughs> All right. I suggest you smell it first. Oh, nice. smells nice. Okay, do you hear that? Taste it. Yeah, just the flesh on the inside. Yeah, don't worry about it. Can you tell us what it tastes like? Anything like what I said. <laughs> what does it taste like? It actually tastes very sweet. I had. I'd, so we knew some good friends of ours who have fajoas. They grow them on a farm up in Queensland. But I was talking to someone recently, actually, who grows fajoas as well. And they said to me, it's an it's a interesting flavor. It's somewhere between a passion fruit and fruit salad. That's what they said to me. So what would you say? Like you said, does someone over here describe it? You couldn't remember. Use it as bitter. Yeah, I think an unripe one might be pretty bitter. What would you say, Josh? It's sweet. It tastes. It has like a hint of bitterness and passion fruit, but it kind of gave me a honey, lemon, like honeydew kind of taste. Okay. All right. So with that, with that description that Josh just gave, um, Jono, you haven't tasted it before, and neither of you, Ruth or. So if we blindfolded you right now and just gave you little teaspoons of different kinds of fruit, do you reckon you'd be able to pick what a which one the fajoa is just by those descriptions? Probably. Really? Okay, yeah. Okay. Did you, would you say that it tastes similar to a guava? <laughs> the best way to describe how it tastes, though, is exactly what I just gave, did to Josh. I gave him a bit, and he tasted it, and, he, and then he knew exactly what it tasted like. And so it says in psalm 38 verse uh, psalm 34 verse 8 taste and see the lord is good your experience determines your perception of god so your experience in life if you experience the lord in all the moments of life you can actually perceive 
his goodness if you taste of him. Like if you if you taste of him. Interesting. Interesting thought. Oh, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Yeah, but it's good because that's 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 how we experience his goodness. It's often through those times where we where we where we um, that's how we taste his goodness through those experiences where we take a leap of faith or trust him in, in the unknown, and then in hindsight we go, oh, that's what that's what he, that's what he's like. He's he's good. He's good. Anyway. We worship him because he's good. How do we worship him? We know why we worship him. How do we worship him? Psalm 100, it, verse 1. Lovely word to start with. Shout. <laughs> what happens when you shout? Yeah. So mum's in the room or teachers, or I don't know, people. You shout. Why do you shout? To be louder than all the other voices or noises in the room. And so he says here, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. The first thing about worship is making sure that the object that you are shouting to gets more attention than every other voice or noise in your life. Shout for joy to the Lord. There's emotion involved in worship. Naomi led us in worship tonight, and once again, she showed us emotion. Worship should be this. Now, it's interesting because I've just used the word worship a lot of times in this message, but here in Psalm 100, the word worship, it actually means service, not so much a song. In fact, it doesn't mean a song at all. This is a psalm that's written um, about a worship experience at the tabernacle. So people would come to worship God, show their honor to God and give thanks to him by bringing a sacrifice to the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the place where um, the priests would serve before the Lord and there'd be the the holy place, which, um, so let's let's go for a walk through the tabernacle. First off, you go through the gate and you come to burning uh, altar and um, and there'd be that's where the sacrifice is laid and burnt. And then then there's another section further on. I'm I'm missing out on a whole lot of details. Where you go into the holy place, which is um, a smaller room that's covered over inside, and it's got a candelabra in it and a table with bread on it and a little kind of a incense burner, barbecue-looking tray thing, where there's always smoke. Going up, and then behind there, there's this curtain which goes into then another place called the Holy of Holies, which is where there's a box, basically, and and there's angels on top with wings, and that's where the presence of God would reside, in a in in a meaningful, purposeful, powerful way, um, while the Israelites were wandering around the desert and setting up the tabernacle in different places. That's where the presence of God would reside, and then when it lifted from there, then they'd move on to another place and set up tent and. And go on. And so these people, they would bring their sacrifice to worship God, to show honor to him. And it was a ritual that they, they had to do because it was an ordinance in the, in the Old Testament through 
through the Lord giving it to Moses. This is what needs to happen. These are the sacrifices that need to happen. This sin happens in your life or this situation happens or this illness comes. This is the kind of way you need to bring a sacrifice or what kind of sacrifice it is, if it's an animal or if it's a grain or if it's whatever. And there's all different ways of sacrificing those things. And sometimes um, church can be a bit like that, is that in that we, we turn up, we just come, it's Sunday night and we come to church again and we sing songs and, and we do all the things that need to be done and we know how to do those things and we know how to, when to stand, when to sit, how to sing, whatever. And then we go from there. And sometimes we can miss out on, because you know, life happens and you know, stuff happens in life and we, we just, you know, our heads are somewhere else. But we can miss out on the emotion of it all and the joy of it all. And he says here, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. It, it actually means it's an emotion in there. Shouting for joy to the Lord, all the earth. It's really cool because this is written to Israelites and it's talking about all the earth. God's plan is that everyone would come before him with shouts of joy. Verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. This idea, worship, here it is. Worship the Lord with gladness. Don't just bring the sacrifice. Don't just come to God and say, oh, this is what I need to do. This is my Christian duty to come to church, do the right thing. Come with gladness. You know, and if, it, if, if you've got a heavy heart, I want to encourage you to bring that heavy heart and lay it down as a sacrifice and be glad. Find something to be glad about in that heaviness, in that tragedy, in that pain, in that whatever it is, brokenness. And bring it as a sacrifice to lay down. Come before him with joyful songs. Come before him with joyful songs. Can you see the rep repetition? Joy, gladness, joy, joyful songs. Come before him. So there's this progression. Shout, worship, in other words, serve, and then come before him. Get closer to him. It's all about him shouting to the Lord, worshiping the Lord with gladness. Come before him with songs of joy. Romans 12 verse 1, tells, Paul tells the church, us to offer our bodies, our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, this is your reasonable service. It's service. Worshipping God with your bodies as living sacrifices. Here's this whole idea of the whole person. Your whole senses must be involved in worshipping God. Your whole senses. Joy, gladness, joyful songs. As you, as you sacrifice. It's, like, it's not like mind over matter. It's just choosing joy and gladness in worshipping the him in spite of what you're going through if it's pain or loss um, and that might sound sad so that's why I'm not stopping now because then it goes on to verse 3 it says know that the Lord is God now this is where I interrupt the Jono <laughs> know that the Lord is God it's interesting here because I'm, I, I love this verse because this is something I need to do and I need to know. So I need to know 
That's what, that's what we need to do. We need to know with our minds, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. Know that the Lord is God. These are two names here for God. The Lord and God. Know that the Lord is God. Now, I think the message, the message paraphrase says, know that God, he is God and God, God. It kind of misses out on something really beautiful in the Hebrew here. It says, know that the Lord, Yahweh, is God. El Shaddai, like El, God. Know that Yahweh, who is the personal, all-present deliverer, I am who I am, that, that spoke to Moses from the burning bush, that spoke to Abraham, the Lord, the personal all present one, the one who loves us, the one who revealed himself as the, as the son of God in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, personal, present. Know that that one is God, like God. Not only is he personal and present, but he is totally large and in charge. He is all-powerful, and he's the creator and the provider. Know that the Lord is God. Know that he's personal, and he's with you tonight, and he loves you, but also that he's able to go and make it all disappear. <laughs> and that's why I think the Bible talks about fearing God. Not that we should be afraid of him, but that we should understand that he is both personal and present and in touch with our, us individually, but also he's just so immense and in control and in, in the creator. It is he who made us, that guy, that one, made us, verse 3b. It is he who made us and we are his. I love that too because it actually says, if you've got a bottom bit in your Bible, where it says, um, and we are his, your bottom bit on your Bible would say something like this, and not we ourselves. So that verse would read either, it is he who made us and we are his, or it is he who made us and not we ourselves. In other words, he's the creator. He's the one who owns us and loves us. We belong to him. We didn't make him and we didn't make us. A lot of the nations around Israel, they made their own gods. They just made something out of wood. They put it in front of a group of people and they kneeled down and went, yay, God. But God created us. We didn't create him. We didn't create us. He created us. And it says that we are his. We are his. We belong. We belong to him. Jesus gave a little uh, talk in John Chapter 10, we see Jesus talking to some people about how he is the good shepherd. I just want to read to you just some verses here. He, he talks about how he is the good shepherd and he has, he has sheep that belong to him, right? I'll tell you the truth, says Jesus. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the, his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I'm the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns sheep. You see this idea of an owner, ownership. It's not that he owns us to, to make us slaves. He owns us to provide for us and to give us a, a place of belonging. So that's why we're created. That's what was lost at the garden, that sense of relationship and belonging to God. We are his, it says in Psalm 100. The psalmist is trying to remind people as they come to worship, remember, he's personal, he's present, but he's also this great creator God who made us and we actually belong to him. We're his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. It doesn't say we're his sheep. <laughs> it says we're his people. The sheep of his pasture. The pasture's his. What's a pasture for a sheep? Food. Yeah. Yeah. Food. Rest. Safety. Rest. Yeah. It's, just, it's where they live. They walk around on it. They eat it. And, then, you know, the other end. That's just where they live. That's their surroundings, right? And so your surroundings and my surroundings are his pasture. Like, who's the provider? Who's God? You know, who's your present, very present God? And what does he own? You? And he's in charge of everything around you. So even if it doesn't seem like it's good, even if all the world around you is falling apart and even like your own, it could just be not just our, our world or our nation or our state, it could be our own, under our own roofs. Sometimes things happen that just aren't good and they just, they just, they lose that joy aspect and we feel like, where's God in all this? He's actually there and he's feeding us and protecting us and providing for us. I mean, that's just the, the Lord's prayer that he taught the disciples. Give us today our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. That's protection and provision. That's what he does. The sheep of his pasture. It's his pasture. And then, then verse 4 comes. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So these people would come to worship God at the tabernacle. They'd bring their sacrifices and they'd bring them to offer this, these sacrifices for their sin, to make their relationship with God right. And what tends to sometimes happen is that when we do church or when we do worship, we forget about the one we're worshipping. We can get so busy being Christians and having an agenda of church stuff that we actually forget him, like he's right here right now. And he, he longs for connection with us. And so here, here's these people, they bring in their worship 
their offering to work, to worship, to serve, to lay it down. And this is a reminder to them that not only just to enter his gates with an offering, <laughs> God really doesn't care too much about that offering, what you can do for him, what you can give him. He wants your thankfulness. He wants a heart of thankfulness. And then it says, and his courts with praise. Guess where the courts are? Before the gate or after the gate? Enter the gate with thanksgiving and you'll find you're able to enter into the courts, which is closer to the presence, with praise. This is the tabernacle presence, right? Because we know right now that the presence of God doesn't live in any building. He lives with us and he's present with us. He got out of that little building when Jesus Christ died on the cross. The temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom and the Holy Spirit got out. And he's now residing in little temples with legs everywhere or with wheelchairs. Let's be inclusive. People's hearts, that's where he lives. Enter his gates, it says, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 to give thanks in all circumstances. I love that verse, especially when stuff's going haywire. Give thanks. You know what? I've actually found myself a couple of times this last couple of weeks talking with people who have experienced great loss. Like um, a fellow minister in Pakenham, she's just lost her husband. He died on Thursday. Lost. And part of my spirit wanted to write the response, and I kind of had to double-check myself, the response in an email to her just to say, God is good. Because, one, her husband is in the presence of the Lord right now, and there's no more pain, and there's no more backwards and forwards to specialists and hospitals and whatever. And he's leaping for joy, dancing, no doubt. But I, then I thought, that's, that's not what you say. Like, it's not good to say that, but it's true. It says, it, it, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. It actually says, rejoice in the Lord always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for you, to give thanks. You know, there's always something to give thanks for. When the wheels come off, when, when the agenda doesn't happen, when the plan doesn't happen, when the family falls apart, where, where there's just like this, just stuff, you know, like that Australian term, happening around us and sometimes even within us, the best response is to try and find something in there to give thanks for. It's not a matter of mind over matter, it's just, it actually works. I think giving thanks is actually very healthy when it comes to mental health. And I'm no psychologist or professional, but I believe that giving thanks is the cure to mental health. If we can find a relationship with God where we can say, thank you, thank you so much for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for 
you know, whatever. Find something to be thankful for. It's able to get you over the line and through, and it's, and it's good for your mental state, for mental health. Start with thanks before anything. Go through the gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. There it is again. Thanks and praise. Praise his name. Praise him for all that he stands for. All that he is, his whole identity. Praise him. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So praise him. I want to encourage you tonight, as I would any other night, no matter what kind of things are going on in life, the best thing we can do is actually set our hearts on him, set our focus on him, and to praise him, just to praise him. And it's almost, it's almost um, sounds insane or illogical, might be a better word, to praise him when, when things aren't going well in life, when, where we know God is good and he is good, but everything else around us is so not good. The best response is to praise him and to give thanks for him. Uh, because he's good. There's a story in Exodus where Moses meets with God on the mountain. I'll finish on this. Moses meets with God on the mountain um, and he says, Lord, you've been telling me that these people, um, to lead these people, but you're, you have to let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, says Moses, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So God, so Moses is coming before God in prayer on behalf of his nation. They've just done some really crazy things with um, gold and they've made it into a, a, a calf image. Uh, it's not really good. But he comes and he intercedes on behalf of them. And the Lord replied to Moses, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's beautiful. So then Moses says to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The presence of God is the only distinguishing factor between you and everyone else on this earth. You might have thought that you were better looking than everyone else. Wrong. It's because the presence of God is with you and in you. That's the, deter that's the differentiating factor between you and the regular Joe Blogs that doesn't have the presence of the Spirit of God in them. You know, you're the person who is at your workplace or at your, um, in your family or down the street where people go, what is, what is it about that person? And that's the presence of God. It distinguishes you from everyone else, right? And that's the point of why Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit, so that we can be presence bearers of, of him. So the Lord says to Moses, um, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, right, cool, I'm in a good place here. Show me your glory, God. Show me your glory. I want to see the glory of God. Wouldn't you love to see the glory of God happen in those not good places? parts of your family or life or a situation or past 
to see the glory of God there, just to blast it all out of the atmosphere. Okay, so then the Lord says to Moses, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, nor uh, for no one may see me and live. So, so Moses says, show me your glory. God says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. What's the difference? Nothing. The goodness of God and the glory of God. And then he says, um, but no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said to Moses, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock when my glory passes by. There he uses the word glory now. I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Is there any wonder why Psalm 23 finishes with these words? Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This is a psalm that's written about God being the shepherd. And he leads us through the darkest valleys. He's present there. He sets a table before our enemies. He's present there. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me? I want goodness and mercy to go in front. Bring it on. I want goodness and I want to walk into goodness and mercy all the days of my life. But it says, no, it's behind you. And isn't that so true with this, with Moses and God on this mountain? God says, I'm going to make all my glory, my goodness, me pass before you, but you won't see my face. You'll see it in hindsight. And that's the goodness of God. And, and that's why I think this Psalm 100 says to us, first of all, don't try and figure out why God is good. Just worship him. Just get your heart calibrated to who he is and what he's like and where he is. And, and then we know that he's good. So taste. Step out. Trust him. Worship him. Call it out. And then you'll see that God is good. He is good. He is really good. I pray. God, I pray your blessing upon each and every person here tonight. And I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives. And Lord, that's a tough thing to say because there's some, there's some things in our lives, some, some stuff around us and sometimes even within us that isn't so good. But we just rely on your goodness tonight, Lord. We just rely on your power, your presence, that you are, you are the Lord and you are God. And we worship you. We trust you. We give you thanks and praise for all that you do for us and who you are for us, Lord. And we trust you, God, in it all. We rely on your goodness, your faithfulness enduring through all generations. Amen. Amen.